0: Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church, located in Avon, Connecticut. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we confess today that you are King, that you're building your kingdom. And God, that's what we want. We want to see you build the kingdom of God. And so we're inviting you. Do that, Lord God. And We want to see you build your kingdom inside of us. So do that today, God. Claim lordship of our lives and build your kingdom in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're beginning today a study of, really, the life of Barnabas. And you may be asking, why are we studying the life of Barnabas? Well, sometimes what happens behind the scenes is critical as well. Edith Head, a costume designer from the golden age of Hollywood, really reminds us that sometimes what happens behind the scenes is critical. She designed costumes for Elizabeth Taylor and Grace Kelly and Paul Newman. She worked on movies like Roman Holiday and The Ten Commandments. Edith Head won eight Academy Awards for costume design, and her costume designs really helped to define the golden age of Hollywood. Now, okay, of course, the actors in front of the camera were important to defining the golden age of Hollywood as well, but what went on behind the scenes was critical too. Barnabas, you see, is working behind the scenes in the New Testament. Now, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we see big things happening in the front of the scenes, in front of the camera. The church in the book of Acts is being built, and the attention in the book of Acts is focused on people whose names we recognize, like the apostles Peter and Paul. But Peter and Paul didn't build the church in the New Testament all by themselves. There were a lot of people working behind the scenes and cooperating with God's Spirit to build the church in the New Testament, and Barnabas is one of those people who was working hard behind the scenes, and his life had a tremendous impact. Barnabas was an encourager in the early church. In fact, The name Barnabas is a nickname, and it was a nickname given to a a man because of who he is, and we'll discover how he came to that nickname in a couple of weeks. But the nickname Barnabas means son of encouragement. That's what the New Testament tells us. The church in Acts nicknamed Barnabas that name in order to say, you are someone who encourages people. Barnabas encouraged. He encouraged the church. He encouraged the leaders around him. Barnabas was an encourager. And as a result, Barnabas was a man of tremendous impact. Barnabas personally led many people to faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. Barnabas influenced leaders And the leaders he built up had an even more dramatic impact in the lives of others. And Barnabas built up the systems of the church that helped the church to thrive for generations and generations. Barnabas had a tremendous impact on the New Testament church. So the question becomes how? How did he do it? And it turns out Barnabas took next steps, one after another in his relationship with Jesus. And so we are going to look at the next steps that Barnabas took in his relationship with Jesus Christ, and we're going to see that the next steps that Barnabas took become a model for the next steps that we can take in life. And as we look at Barnabas, what we're going to discover is that one next step after another, one step after another, can become truly significant in our lives. And we begin today by seeing how Barnabas took next steps with serving. Now, to understand the next steps that Barnabas took in serving, we have to ask, what is the state of the church in this part of Acts? And we begin by seeing that the church in Acts is growing The history of the church in Acts really begins with the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead and spent time with those who called themselves his disciples. Then Jesus ascended into heaven after a few weeks, promising his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit and power that they might serve him. A short time later, the disciples were gathered together on the Feast of Pentecost, and God the Holy Spirit came into the room where they were gathered, and the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples of Jesus in the form of tongues of flame and power. And from that point forward, the disciples of Jesus began teaching and preaching and seeing signs and wonders happen in the world because of God's power and the church grew. Hundreds, and at times, thousands of people became disciples of Jesus. And so when we get to Acts chapter 11, we find that the church has been growing. But the church in Acts is grieving as well. You will, of course, remember that there were leaders, Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem, who were opposed to Jesus and led to His crucifixion. And they didn't stop opposing Jesus' disciples after the resurrection. They were still opposed to and concerned about the movement of Jesus' disciples. At first, their opposition was passive. But then they began to harass, to arrest, to threaten, and to beat disciples of Jesus. Eventually, the persecution led to the execution of a leader in the church in Jerusalem by the name of Stephen. The religious leaders drug him out, and they stoned him to death. And the Bible tells us that while they were doing so, a man named Saul stood nearby and held the coats of those who were doing the execution, and the Bible says Saul looked on with approval at what was happening. Well, Saul got a plan, and Saul began taking temple guards and going throughout canvassing Jerusalem, bursting into houses, and dragging away followers of Jesus for arrest and worse. And so, the disciples of Jesus in Jerusalem began to flee the city. As they fled, they went to other parts of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the known world. But when they did so, they were leaving everything behind. They were leaving behind family members and friends. They were leaving behind and lost jobs and pieces of property. They were leaving behind and lost their old lives. And so, while they went in hope, there was a sense in which by the time we reach Acts chapter 11, the church is going through a period of grieving. But at the same time, the church in Acts is going. The disciples of Jesus who were fleeing went places. They went from Jerusalem throughout Judea to the edges of Samaria and then beyond to the edges of the known world at the time. And the Bible says that as they went to these new places, They continued to tell people the good news about Jesus. They continued to make new disciples of Jesus. And so as they were going, the church continued to grow and expand. And so the church in Acts may be grieving, and it is going, but it is still growing. But as a result, the church in Acts is grappling They're tough questions the church in Acts was wrestling with. Because you see, as these disciples of Jesus first began sharing their faith with other people, it was basically Jews from Judea sharing faith with other Jews from Judea. Then as the church began to grow, they began to share the gospel with Jews who came from around the world and spoke Greek. But that was okay. Jews sharing faith in Jesus with Jews was acceptable and okay. But then when we come to Acts chapter 10, God directed the apostle Peter to help a non-Jew, a Gentile, A Gentile and his family come to faith in Jesus. This Gentile was a God-fearer, meaning that he and his family were interested in Jewishness and in the Old Testament. They worshiped in their local synagogue. This one family came to faith in Christ, and it provoked big questions back in Jerusalem. Is it okay for a non-Jew, a Gentile, to become a disciple of Jesus? Peter had to go back to Jerusalem and tell the other leaders of the church what had happened and how God had done it and how God had poured out His Holy Spirit on this family of Gentiles. And the church concluded, okay, maybe a few Gentiles can become disciples of Jesus. But as we turn the page to Acts chapter 11, the church in Acts is grappling with big questions about who can be disciples of Jesus. And then we find in Acts chapter 11 that Barnabas took important next steps in serving. And Barnabas took those important next steps in serving in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26, where we read, Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord." So, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch? For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians." So we find Barnabas taking next steps in serving here, beginning with a next step in serving really at an event. You see, his disciples spread around the world after the persecution of Stephen. I told you they were sharing their faith in Christ with other people. At first, they were sharing their faith in Christ with other Jews. But then, as some of them made their way to Antioch, they began sharing their faith, the Bible says, with Hellenists. Now, Hellenists, in this case, are those who speak Greek. And saying those who speak Greek is another way of saying a Gentile. And so they were sharing their faith with Gentiles. And it wasn't just one family of God-fearing Gentiles. It was sharing Jesus with lots of Gentiles. And they were raging pagan Gentiles. And, And these Gentiles were becoming disciples of Jesus and word reached the church in Jerusalem, where the disciples there were still grappling over the question of who could be a disciple of Jesus. And so something had to be done. They had to send someone to find out what was going on in Antioch. And they asked Barnabas, the son of encouragement, to go on a fact-finding trip. They they commissioned him, Barnabas, go to Antioch, see what is happening, and come back and report to us. And so Barnabas accepted the assignment, a quick mission trip to the city of Antioch, just a little north of Jerusalem. It would be done, he would come back, he would make his report, it would be over. But Barnabas took a next step in serving for an event. And then Barnabas took a next step with Jesus by serving in a position. Because when he got to Antioch, Barnabas realized that something big had the opportunity to happen in Antioch. When he got to Antioch, he saw it wasn't just a few Gentiles, lots of Gentiles were coming to faith in God in Antioch and and they weren't coming just a little bit. They were eager to be true disciples of Jesus And Barnabas realized something critically important could happen. I need you to understand a little bit more about the city of Antioch. Antioch, as it turns out, was the third largest city in the Roman Empire at the time. Behind Rome and Alexandria, Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And Antioch was a major center of commerce, meaning that Commercial people, merchants from around the world, the known world, would come to Antioch, do business, learn things, experience culture, and then go back and take it to the places they were from. And Barnabas realized that if the gospel spread among Gentiles in Antioch, it would spread around the whole world. And so he realized that the event he thought he was there for a fact-finding trip to report back to the church in Jerusalem, had an opportunity attached to it. Someone needed to stay in Antioch and invest in these brand-new disciples of Jesus. Someone needed to lead the church in Antioch. Barnabas accepted the position. Barnabas decided to stay in Antioch, and he continued preaching the gospel in Antioch. And the Bible says even more Gentiles became disciples of Jesus because Barnabas took the next step in serving in a position. And then we discover that Barnabas took the next step with Jesus by serving an individual. Because you see, as the church in Antioch continued to grow, filled with people with no background in in following God in any way. Barnabas realized these people needed to be taught and molded and shaped. He realized he wasn't the man to do that, and he realized that even if he were, there was more work than one leader could do. And so he decided he needed a guy, and he knew a guy. And the guy he knew was Saul. Now, Saul, when we last met him, was the great persecutor of the church in Jerusalem. He, in fact, was planning to persecute the church in other places as well. But in the process, he had a dramatic experience with the risen Christ and came to faith in Jesus himself. Saul, the persecutor of the church, became a disciple of Jesus. And he came back to Jerusalem, seeking to connect with the church in Jerusalem. And I'm paraphrasing the original Greek here, but the church in Jerusalem said, yeah, no. (laughs) The church in Jerusalem wanted nothing to do with Saul, the persecutor of the church. Somebody had to vouch for Paul. Barnabas stepped up and he vouched well, I told you it's Paul, but he goes by the name Saul in this part of Acts. Barnabas vouched for Saul, included him in the church in Jerusalem. And Saul began preaching faith in Jesus Christ, and people became disciples of Jesus as a result. And while his relationship with the church in Jerusalem was tense at best, people throughout the city who knew him from before and knew that Saul was now making disciples of Jesus plotted against his life, and Paul had to escape to avoid being killed. So he did. He escaped Jerusalem, and he went north to his hometown of Tarsus in Asia Minor, a hundred miles from Antioch. And so Barnabas, when he realized, I need someone to help, decided it was time to give Saul a chance. He went to Tarsus, he brought Saul back, and together Barnabas invested in Saul and Saul invested in the church for a year, and the church in Antioch thrived. The investment that Barnabas made in Saul became the most Significant investment Saul Barnabas made in any single life. It just reminds us that we can take next steps with Jesus in serving. We can serve for an event, we can serve in a position, we can invest in a person's life. That's what Barnabas did. and it had dramatic impact. The truth of the matter is that we are all called to serve, to take next steps in serving the way that Barnabas did. I want to give you five reasons disciples of Jesus serve. Number one is because serving combats our pre-programmed sinful thoughts. You see, When we have the opportunity to serve, our culture, the world around us, has taught us instead to be self-centered and self-absorbed. The world has put lies and, and sinful thoughts into our heads that prevent us from wanting to serve. So every time an opportunity to serve comes up, our first thought is, that is not my problem. And if we think that is my problem, the second thought that usually comes to our minds because of the busyness of the world around us is, I'm just too busy to do anything about that. And so serving actually begins combating these pre-programmed sinful thoughts in our heads. It's part of the reason why disciples of Jesus serve. The second reason that we serve is because serving cultivates us as disciples Serving helps to shape in us some of the important things that disciples of Jesus need to know. Disciples of Jesus need to understand that God is the owner of the good gifts He's given to us. We're not owners of the good gifts that God has given to us. God is the owner of the time and the talents and the treasures that He has given to us. We don't own those things, instead, we're managers. We're managers of the time and the talents and the treasures that God has given to us. And He's given them to us partly to enjoy, but also to use to build up His kingdom. And when we serve, it helps us to understand that we are managers or stewards of our time and our talents in particular, and that we are not owners. And so serving cultivates us as disciples. Three, serving can advance God's kingdom. Because you see, when we serve, sometimes when we serve, we we help to advance God's kingdom indirectly. Indirectly, we may simply create the conditions in which God's kingdom thrives when we serve. Sometimes when we serve, what we're really doing is opening doors. Because, you see, when we serve other people, we give the gospel credibility. And when we serve other people, we are demonstrating God's love, and that opens a door that people can hear the gospel. And Sometimes serving is direct. Sometimes what we do makes and multiplies disciples of Jesus directly, and so serving can advance God's kingdom. Serving also obeys Jesus' command. Jesus has commanded us to serve. You see, actually what Jesus says is he commands us specifically to love one another as he has loved us and to love others, specifically to love our neighbors. And you may think, okay, love. Love. Jesus does not mean that we have a positive emotional feeling toward these people. What he means is that we serve them, that we do something for them as he has done things for us. And so what he commands us over and over again is serve one another, serve others, serve your neighbors, serve even your enemies, Jesus commands us. And so when we serve, we're obeying Jesus's command. And when we're serving, we're also following Jesus's example because Jesus is the one who first served us. Jesus shows us what serving looks like. Jesus, you see, is the one who set aside heaven to come to earth, to come to us. Jesus is the one who took on full humanity in addition to full divinity for us. And in becoming fully human, Jesus became a peasant, not a king. And as a peasant, Jesus served people. Jesus healed, taught, and loved, and washed feet. And then Jesus took the sin that rightfully was sitting on our shoulders, a burden that we carried because we put it there, And he said, take that burden off of your shoulders and put it on mine. And then taking the weight of our sin on himself on the cross, Jesus accepted the wrath of God that should be poured out on that sin. He took the full price for our sin, and he died in our place. Jesus is the one who serves, and He shows us what serving looks like. And when we serve, we are following Jesus' example. And when we serve, even sometimes in small ways, we can impact the world in dramatic ways. I remember, and it has been decades ago now, when I was a young pastor I was driving to work one day, and my car just died going down the road. Fortunately, I was uphill from a gas station, so I just coasted into the gas station and parked. This was long enough ago that there were no cell phones, so I went to a thing we used to call a payphone. (laughs) And I called for help, and it was going to be 20 to 30 minutes away which was a little bit of a problem because I was in a really dangerous part of the city at the time. In fact, at the gas station I was at around the corner was a place where the vagrants like to congregate in that area, and there were a number of them there that day. So not knowing what to do, I just sat down on the curb to wait for someone to come. And as I sat there, I saw one of the guys notice me, and head toward me, and frankly, I was not in a good place at that point, and I just sat there thinking, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, don't talk to me. And as he got closer, I could smell him, and when he got right next to me, he of course wanted to talk to me, and he asked me what had happened, and I told him my car had broken down, but I I pointed out, but help is on the way, (laughs) and he asked me what I'd do. And I told him that I was a pastor, and he asked me about the church, and he asked me how I was doing, and something in me told me to just trust this guy. And I did. And and I told him the truth. I said, I'm a pastor, and, and I was having a difficult time. I'd hit some roadblocks at work, and I was very discouraged. And he said to me, young man, don't give up. What you're doing is important. Remember what you do and who you're doing it for. And then he walked away, back to his friends. He didn't ask for anything from me. See, I thought he was going to want me to serve him, and he ended up serving me. Now, I'm not going to tell you that in just a few minutes, this homeless guy changed my life from awful to great. That's not what happened. But what did happen is he changed my day, and he encouraged me, and he reminded me of what I do and why. Serving, even when it's small, can have a dramatic impact on the world for Christ. So that means we need to ask ourselves some questions. How then can we, as disciples of Jesus, take a next step in serving? And I want to suggest to you today three ways that you can take a next step in serving. Number one is serve for an event. If you're not serving right now, getting started with an event is a low-commitment kind of way that you can do something. Because you see, an event you know has a start and a stop. An event could be a big deal or a small deal, but you recognize that it has a start and a stop to it. And when you serve at an event, you can make a dramatic difference in the world. You can impact the world for Christ through an event. So maybe what you want to do is serve for a short period of time for an event. Step two would be taking an ongoing volunteer position. And when you think about it, a volunteer position is really just a series of events. And so you're not going that far, and it's not that terrifying, but taking an ongoing volunteer position, if one event can have an impact on the world, a string of events can have a much bigger impact on the world. And when you think about serving at a, in a volunteer position, we have volunteer positions here at Valley through which we can help you get involved and help you serve in a way that impacts the world for Christ. But it's not just here at Valley. You can get involved in agencies outside of Valley, and you can get involved just out in the world, and when you do, you have repeated opportunities to impact the world for Christ. So, consider taking an ongoing volunteer position. Step one, an event. Step two, a volunteer position. And step three is invest in a person. And I recognize that investing in a person is a longer-term commitment than an event, and investing in a person is a more personal commitment than taking a volunteer position. But investing in a person means helping them to become, to make and to multiply a disciple of of Jesus. And, And you think to yourself, yes, but there are so many ways that that could go wrong. And you're right, it could. But at the same time, investing in a person is a beautiful thing. And investing in a person... It's a way that you can dramatically impact the world for Christ. And investing in people has been one of the greatest joys of my life. So think about investing in a person. The thing is that for all of us, there is a next right step that we can take in serving. If you're not serving, then any step that you take is the right step. If you're serving occasionally, then doing something on an ongoing basis might be your next right step. If you are doing something and you have the opportunity to invest in a person or in multiple people, that may be your next right step. But for all of us, there's a next right step we can take in serving when you serve God does big things in you and when you serve you can advance God's kingdom in this world will you take a next step with Jesus Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, you can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.